Would you open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 3? I'm going to read verses 1 through 14 uh, of this. This is just straight up God's Word. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again as it is a safeguard to you. That's basically him saying, I, I know I'm droning on and on and on about this, but I need to because it's safety for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. It's Halloween, right? For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have many reasons for such confidence, he's telling them specifically about people that are using religion to try to earn their salvation through it. And when I read what he's about to say, this might seem foreign to you because he's speaking specifically of, of Judaism, of, of that kind of a religion. But in our culture, our modern culture, we have it in our own Christianity will do our works to try to earn our way into heaven. There's a brand new strain of this. I say brand new. There's nothing new under the sun. It used to be called Gnosticism. Today it's called progressive Christianity. And in progressive Christianity, when you hear that word, what they're saying is that, among other things, that Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead. We don't know. Probably, maybe, we don't know. Didn't, but the reason he came wasn't to pay for your sins because you're already good. He just came to be a good example and a good model. So when you read Brian McLaren or Richard Rohr uh, and, or any of these others, that's, that's what they're saying. Now, you may agree or disagree with it, but that's what they're saying. Now, here's why that is a problem, because it's just another form of works. The works, the idea that I'm already good, and so I just have to be good, that's, I don't know, that's religion. That's all that is. And you know how we know it? Because when someone violates what their religion is, they go crazy. Watch somebody on Twitter say the wrong thing, that they, and they didn't even know it was wrong. And the mob comes and throws them out. And even if it's one of their own, they castigate them and punish them. It's just modern-day Phariseeism with a different thing. So that said, religion is not what Christ came to give us, whether it's liberal, conservative, fundamentalist, whatever. He came to give us something completely other than that. And so when Paul says, hey, I've got, I've got a resume together for this one. If it came to being good enough, I was crushing it. He says, though I have... If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. So when he's talking about mutilators of the flesh, that wasn't a metaphor. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, I'm from David's family. Like, I, my paperwork is secure. A Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law. It's like you're reading his LinkedIn profile. A Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Check. Check, check, I was crushing it. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And he did not mean that metaphorically. That was literal for him. I consider them garbage, that is an NIV scrubbing of the word. It meant crap. That's what the word is. We would bleep it. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis 
of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained this, so if you feel like you're maybe slacking and you haven't, you're not there, Paul's, I have not already attained all this, or I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so much promise, and I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that I don't have to spend my life working to earn my salvation. I'm so grateful for grace, for the scandal of grace that I can't earn it. That it was just a gift and all I have to do is believe it's your gift to us. I pray today that that would become a reality just a little bit more in my heart and in the hearts of my brothers and sisters here today just a little bit more real, a little bit more tangible in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was uh, Robert Hastings who said that it isn't the burdens of today that drive men mad. It's the regrets of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. Regret and fear are twin thieves who rob us of today. And that's kind of a little bit of what Paul is saying here. Like, I'm this stuff that's behind me that I consider garbage, and I'm reaching forward at the same time. I'm, I'm forgetting what's behind that I'm reaching forward is, is the, the actual anecdote to that thief of regret and fear. When Paul says, rejoice in the Lord, how many, I gotta know, how many of you grew up charismatic? I, I, where are my people? Okay. Oh, yeah, there's a few of you. Second service, it was like all Presbyterians or something. But for this service, we, when we said rejoice in the Lord, it meant like specifically like running laps. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know Kenneth, right? You know. And by the way, in Haiti, they still do that because they're looking at me like, do you not understand that Jesus rose from the dead? That's exciting. I'm going to take a lap. And you may or may not see me in the conga line. I don't know. Shindell, maybe you and I will join in. Because sometimes the Jesus conga breaks out and they're going around. The, you know, Jennifer Bush, I, I'm, I'm not asking much. <laughs> no, you're going to be right at home. There, that is a form of rejoicing in the Lord, but that is not what he's talking about. Because he actually says what it is in a minute. He says, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I'm pressing on. He's talking about a joy that I don't choose between multiple joys and then this is just the one I land on, like it's spinning the wheel of joy and this is the one. He's just saying this is actually the joy that is the joy in the Lord. That is the only joy that lasts, the only joy that is durable, the joy that does not uh, obey time, the joy that is not subject to your circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. When I say the past and the future, 
We think of those as these different concepts and we think of now as this present time. If you were, how many, so last week, Williamson County, uh, for spring break, which meant the rapture happened, except that the rapture took you to the white sands of Destin. How many of you were at the beach last week? Just be real straight with me. I saw your Instagram picture, so I know. And it's been noted on your attendance. And no, we're, uh, we actually are excited you got to go to the beach. But when you stand on the beach, you would you probably use the language of the shoreline, right? There's the shoreline. But understand there is no such thing as a shoreline. There's only sea and there is only land. And where the shore comes together with the sea is what we would call the shoreline. And in time, there's only past and there's only future. And now is the line between them. Because now just became then. Right now, that, the, it's, it's, the 8 a.m. service, they, they kind of didn't quite land because it was really early for that kind of thinking. But... It's, you're like, Darren, it's never going to be a good time for that kind of thinking. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. There will be a time when there is no future or past. It's called eternity. It's just eternal now. There's a book by Stephen B. Hawking written in 1980-something called uh, A Brief History of Time that saved my faith in the 90s. So it's ironic that when Hawking stepped into eternity just a few weeks ago, he said there was no God. Now, I want you to know he is 100% sure now whether or not there was a God. But, but so in his last parting shot, he's like, I, just, I don't see that there's a God, but his book, A Brief History of Time, and what he's basically trying to explain that our little pea brain, my little pea brain couldn't get even now is that there is no now, now, there's only a future and there's past and someday there will be just eternal now, forever now, no beginning and no end. It's just the language of scripture. But Paul's saying, I'm going to forget those things that are behind on, on this side of heaven to, to reach for that kind of joy, to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to strain toward what's ahead, pressing on toward the goal. And when you say forget what's behind, like I don't think he meant that, but it could have been. Just take a minute and drink that in. You have no idea how cool I thought I was. Some of you are like, oh, I think we do, Darren. <laughs> I think we know exactly how cool you thought you were. That was circa 2001. Shannon was great with child. Lauren had not been born yet. Ethan was negative four. And that's little Maddie, who is now 22. And Ashley, who she's holding, is, uh, graduates from the Navy in two weeks. Our little boot camp girl. That was then and this is now. So Paul, when he's saying forgetting what's behind, I look at that and think, is that what he's talking about? Like I, 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 don't, re I don't even remember that photo being taken. And I, Shannon doesn't either. We have, because we're so smart and, and detective-like, we deduced that it's probably on vacation. So we got that. <laughs> That's my vacation goatee. Um, and, and by the way, Andrew... I'm just saying, you, you could grow that in. You could have that goatee. <laughs> if you work hard and apply yourself, that could be you. <laughs> I just ruined his... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Um, I don't remember the photo. What I remember was living in that day that we had... Um, and this is only because took, it took me back going, oh, oh. I remember that season because I had my little company. We had started this little headhunting firm called Shikari. It was Hindu for big game hunter. 
I, I don't even talk about it very much here because it was only an 18-month period of my life where we made and lost an enormous amount of money. We were involved with litigation. A company had sued me, and I learned in America that you are innocent until proven guilty. But, and Bud, you know this. It costs about $750 an hour to prove you're innocent. So $135,000 later, my 30-year-old company, or my 30-year-old Darren with a year-old company, was, I won the lawsuit, except for you win and you still lose because I still had to write the money. I was, I, was in, I was afraid of the future, and I was regretting the past. But that wasn't just a moment of that. That's like the way life goes. It's like the older you get, the more you, you begin to think, there's less in front of me than there is behind me. I've got more history than I'd have future. Some of you that are more seasoned, shall we say. You have fewer years in front of you than behind you. And so to, to joy in the Lord, if this is all there is, you can't have that kind of joy because you can never go back and undo the regret and there's only just so many years left. But if this is not all there is, if this is not it, this earth, this beautiful place we are, it's amazing, Paul says, but I consider it crap compared to what's coming. If this is not all there is, then there will always be more in front of me than behind me. Always. And with that, I can rejoice in the Lord. Because I can forget what's behind me and strain towards what's ahead and press on. Which is what I believe a definition of rejoicing in the Lord is. Pressing on toward the high calling, this goal that's in front of me. And the reason I believe that is that he says, Paul says, there's one thing I do. Now he says there's one thing I do and then he tells us three things, right? So is that a typo? Or I'm teaching my daughter Lauren uh, to drive. So that, consider that your warning on you daily Covington. I've definitely, uh, if you notice, I have a little bit more gray this week than last. But when Lauren gets in the car, she puts her foot on the gas, she puts her hands on the steering wheel, and she drives. So driving is one thing that involves more than one thing. Does that make sense? That's what I think he's saying here, which is forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, those two things combined together is pressing on towards the goal. That is pressing on, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. And in that, I can rejoice in the Lord. And the way that it works, I think, is that with, when he says forgetting what's behind, it's probably helpful to know what he means by forgetting. Because it doesn't mean forgetting like, Darren, it's Thursday, did you take the trash out? The answer inevitably is always no. <laughs> it's not Darren spending literally the equivalent of four weeks of my life looking for my car keys five minutes at a time because I forgot where I put them. That's not the forgetting that he's talking about. It's not the forgetting of, I don't want to think about or feel this anymore. By the way, this is, I don't, look, when they start spending money on some of this research, I wish they'd just write me a check, because I could tell them this, that alcohol impairs your memory. <laughs> Duh. I don't know how much money they spent on that or how many fruit flies they subjected to this testing to just know that every one of us knows that. That's a different kind of forgetting. That's called medicating. And for those of you that don't do that with 
Uh, alcohol, some of you do it with your codependency. Some of you do it with eating. Some of you, we all have a little addiction thing that we go towards that we really do to try to forget what's in our, the pain that we feel. That's not the forgetting that he's talking about. Not like men in black, I'm going to wipe your memory. Now you don't know. He actually uses a word that means to basically reappropriate it. It's, it's like a financial term almost. And I'm going to put it in a different column here. That I'm forgetting it behind. If, if you people that are in finance know that you, you put stuff in, you take it into your account, you're going to write it into this was under, uh, this is under travel, this is under meals and entertainment. This is, this is me putting this under a different category. So forgetting what's behind, that word is I'm putting it back here not forgetting it ever happened. The biblical definition of joy, Paul says rejoice in the Lord in verse one and verse 17, I think. He's talking about I'm riding with tears coming down my face. It's not a joy that pretends it didn't happen. It's a joy that says it did happen and I'm going to redeem it and you're going to be fine because eternity, you're straining towards what's ahead. That I'm going to reappropriate that. Now, listen, it isn't just the negative and the bad things that you've done that you regret. He puts on this list, I've persecuted Christians. Okay? That's a pretty uh, somber, quiet, you know, euphemism for I killed a lot of people. People that I now have to face, I know their families, I know their children. That was a part, he, that was part of what he was leaving behind. But interestingly enough, he focuses most of it not on that, but on the good stuff that he did, on the righteous stuff that he did. Christianity is not just about forgetting the bad stuff and leaving it behind, putting it in a different column. It's about putting your righteousness behind as well. I've said this in two services, and I'm scared when I say it because I don't want you to misunderstand it. But for the most part, for most people, it's not the sin that keeps you away from Christianity. You knew it was wrong. You knew you shouldn't have done it. You knew it's the righteousness part that keeps you away. Because I think I can do this. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do that. And the faith I grew up with, the faith of goatee, Darren, was a faith that, <laughs> that said uh, that grace was the starting point. I would have told you I was saved by grace, and I believed it. But grace was just the starting point. Everything else I had to earn after that. It all went, I was a really good Muslim and I didn't even know it because it was about earning God's favor, earning the miracle, earning the blessing, earning it. If I didn't earn it, then I clearly was in sin. That's just another form of religion and I have to leave that behind as well. Paul, and look, we all, we do this in our lives on a general basis anyway because what Paul is really doing is he's like, how many of you guys have the LinkedIn profile? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say LinkedIn? There's a handful of you do. I, for, I always forget I have that. Like I set it up a long time ago so nobody else could use my name and then I forget and then I check it every once in a while. But, but LinkedIn is just a modern day resume. It's me putting out the best part of who I am so I can open the door to get in someplace. It's a resume. There's a teaching somewhere I, I'm going to somewhere in 1992 to 97 by a guy named Tim Keller. He taught this, and I wish I could find it. So if you find it, please send it to me because it was really good. But I've never forgotten this. It was one of the things that helped me with my faith when I was young. That my resume is what opens the door to get me in places. But we all do that with our life. We have that part of us that we use to open the door to something. It's with 
friends. We try to posture so you, you know, I'm doing this, so you try to let me in. It's just part of how we're wired. I, I'm going to only put the best part of me out there so you know that you like me. It happens in college. I mean, our kids, how many of you guys are in seventh or eighth grade and they're already trying to tell you where are you going to go to college? They're already leaning on you about that, right? You got to get into travel soccer by the time you're five because <laughs> you're not going to get a scholarship and the whole world's going to fall apart. Like you, they're pressing you in to put this resume together so that it will open the door for you. It happens on dating sites. Thank God I'm too old to have not been on a dating site. <laughs> I can't even imagine what I would have said about myself. That goatee, that I, would have, I would have led with the goatee. <laughs> but that's how we, we lead with that good stuff. And it becomes what Paul calls our confidence. I put my confidence in that. And you know it's your confidence that when it gets pulled out from under you, your whole life falls apart. And it's just a good heart check to say, oh, that, the reason I'm freaking out right now is because my confidence was in that. And I have a chance to say, oh, I need to put my confidence in my father. Put my confidence in what's ahead and not on what is behind. The resume that opens the door, the posture. You can come to the Father, you're religious, and say that I'm just a, uh, I'm a, I don't know if there's a God, I'm gonna live however I want to. Or you can come to the Father, religious, and say, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna earn my way in, and neither one of them will get you there. That's not Christianity. Paul says, I'm gonna take hold of who already took hold of me. If you are coming into a relationship with the Father, it is because he is taking hold of you and you're just taking hold of the hand that's already gripped onto you. Does that make sense? So forget, that's a free one, by the way. So you're forgetting what's behind. <laughs> I'm just, I'm reappropriating it and I'm putting it into a different category. And then I am straining towards what is ahead. And that word straining is just, I don't really like that translation. Some other versions have different words, but it's, it's like reaching towards it. So I am Forgetting what's behind, I'm saying this is my religion, my successes, my goatee. It's all crap compared to what I'm reaching forward to. And you kids who are in here right now, if your mom gets mad at you for saying that word, tell them Paul said it first. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just realized there's children. There's children in here. I am sorry. It's Darren at conduitchurch.com. Um, <laughs> Save you the search. Um, I'm reaching for what's ahead. I'm forgetting what's behind. And he says, and in doing so, I am pressing on to the goal. And that word pressing, it, it, this is an absolutely fascinating thought to me, is the exact same word that he uses a few verses earlier when he says persecuted. It's the word that means persecuted. I'm pressing forward. I persecuted the church. Same word. And I would pronounce it, but I cannot. And it's a fascinating thought to me because it's such a picture of what he's telling us to do. That I am, when you persecute somebody, you're pushing them aside. You're marginalizing it. You're revaluing it. You're devaluing it. Persecute your past. That thing that you did that you can't forgive yourself for, persecute it, leave it behind. Pressing forward. Straining forward, forgetting what's behind, that is persecuting your past. That is pressing on to what is in front of you. And the religion that you have brought to it that you thought, if you aren't there yet, you'll come back around the mountain. Eventually you come to that point where you're like, oh, when he says rejoice in the Lord, that's the only thing worth rejoicing in. Rejoicing in the Lord because 
whether I got a good news on the medical report or I got bad news on it, that I can rejoice in the Lord because this isn't all there is. Paul would say, you know, sincerely, Paul, lick the stamp, put it in the mail, and be murdered within two years of this letter, if not sooner. How is he rejoicing? Because he finally, I don't know, this was like 40 years into his ministry. I don't know, did he get it one year in? Did he get it 40 years in? I don't know. I'm 47 years into being a human and about 40 of them as a believer, and I'm still, well, I'm still Paul. I haven't attained it all yet. But I'm every day a little bit more Every day, I'm just pushing this a little bit. And when it doesn't, and I realize I'm freaking out because I've got my confidence in this, then I can say, oh, I gotta take a step back on that and I'm gonna press into it, persecute the past, straining towards the future. And you know how we do that? The reason we get to do that? Because <laughs> Paul says, press on, persecute it, because there was someone else who was pressed for you. He was pressed to a cross persecuted, pressed, paying for you so that now you have the power to push forward and press and persecute your past because you're keeping moving forward. There is no present. It's only the past. It's only the future. And you are standing with one foot in the past and one foot in the future. We call it now. One day it will be forever. But for now, that is me taking a step forward. It is me doing two things, which are only one, which is Lauren. She's driving. I'm putting my foot on the gas, my hands on the steering wheel, and I'm going forward and I'm leaving behind where I came from. My religion and my nasty sin. Because it's all dung in his eyes. And you know what the great news of this is? What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 4 verse eight? I, you are pressed, but not abandoned. You're persecuted, you're pressed down, but you're not destroyed. Persecuted, not abandoned. And we are that because of what Christ did for us. If you've come today in your relationship with Christ to try to do anything that earns your way into it, might I suggest that you stop and just accept the free gift that he's given us. I mean, you can keep going around the mountain. I took, I don't know how many trips I took around the mountain. But it's a circle. <laughs> and Jesus, I don't know that he'll ride your crazy train, but he'll meet you at the station. And Jesus wants to meet you at the station today. We do communion every week here because we drink not to forget, but to remember what he did for us. He took hold of you, and all you're doing is taking hold of what he's done. That's it. I mean, Connor, that's big news. Because, look, if this is all there is, I mean, let's be really honest. We live in Williamson County, okay? We live in, but not everybody in Williamson, but Middle Tennessee, and even on our worst day here, it's still infinitely better than most places around the world. So this is a glorious place to live. And Paul says, I would consider that garbage compared to where we're going. Christianity was never meant to be an add-on. It's not a salve. It's not an essential oil to make you feel better. It's everything. No, no offense to essential oils. They're very pleasant. But that's not what Christianity was meant to be. It was everything. It is me leaving behind, pressing on, laying hold of who was already laid on to me. 
That's why when Paul says, I had all this and I lost it all, and it still doesn't matter because it was just crap compared to where I'm going. Look, in Haiti, the gospel is not bad news to them. Like, leave behind what? I don't even have anything. C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to murder this quote, so feel free to tweet it to me later, but said something along the lines of that a prostitute is in no uh, situation where she would find her current situation so compelling, whereas the gospel would not be good news to her. In Williamson County, in Middle Tennessee, it actually kind of could feel like bad news because I have misappropriated my past and my resume and my LinkedIn profile and my accomplishments. I've misappropriated it. So it doesn't feel like garbage to me. And even in this county, as good as it gets, the pinnacle of this is still garbage compared to what we have in store for us. The resurrection from the dead. The fact that we will one day, we miss her. Miss Bobby does not stand at that door anymore and hand us bulletins when we come in. But one day I got a picture in my head of the trumpet sounding and Miss Bobby handing out bulletins next to Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it's going to go, but I kind of need it to be that way. Get to heaven, even if we don't get catch the, you know, the return of Christ, but we're going to step into eternity. There's Miss Bobby you know, handing out bulletins at the gate. Because we're going to see her again, just like we'll see you again. Some of you are going to beat me there. I'm going to beat some of you there. But all of us have more in front of us than we have behind us. And we will have an eternity to figure it out. So, might I say what Paul said? Rejoice in the Lord. Stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing life we get to live this side of heaven, and yet it's just an inkling of what is to come. And I'm so thankful for a joy that isn't saccharine. It's not fake. A joy that can withstand the tears and the anger and the shame and the guilt and the joy that can grow up from that. In fact, the joy that only comes after we've gone through that, the joy that arises from inside of us. The joy, the Bible calls the joy of the Lord. Your joy, Lord, is our strength. And today, in a room like this, there's all kinds of situations and there's all kinds of circumstances. People who feel like they've got less life in front and too much behind, and I pray that every one of us today, wherever we are on the space-time continuum, that we can rejoice in you, that we might attain the resurrection one day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.